Our E.R. Squibb and Sons, manufacturing chemists of the medical profession since 1858, bring you the distinguished actor Henry Fonda in Young Mr. Lincoln with Ward Barnes. Young Mr. Lincoln, as best original story of the year, was nominated for the 1939 Academy Award. Mr. Fonda, as best actor of the year, was nominated for the 1940 Academy Award. Let me out of here. Hey, hey, hey. 
Better break in. Don't be a fool. They'll get us too. Can't help it. Now let the bus in first. I can't open the door, boys. The Lord's got to protect these play fellas and give them a trial. any species. All I got to say is I can lick any man here hands down. We know you, Abe Lincoln. Come on, man. Let's get him. Hold on, Buck. I thought I'd find that big mouth of yours around here telling people what to do. I'm Buck, all right. A big Buck on this leg. Then come on and clutch your horns. What's holding you? <laughs> Maybe some of you other gentlemen like to take Buck's place. And me. I can lick you myself. Got a fat neighbor or just your notion? Get away from there, Lincoln, or we'll give it to you, too. Well, well, if it's not Bill Gentry. First time I ever heard of you trying to break into jail, Bill. But you were too busy trying to break out. Turn up! Go on, let's get him! Howdy, Frank. Last time I saw you, you were heading for the rock pile. Beating up your wife. <laughs> now, gentlemen, all joking aside, let's look at this matter from my side. You all know I'm just a fresh lawyer trying to get ahead. But some of you boys act like you want to do me out of my first client. <laughs> Go ahead, Abe. Go on and talk. I'm not saying you fellas aren't right. Maybe these clay boys do deserve the hand. But with me handling their case, it looks like you won't have much to worry on that score. <laughs> All I ask is to have it done with some legal pomp and show. Yeah, but what about our side of it? We've been to a heap of trouble not to have at least one hanging. Sure you have. And if these boys had more than one life, I'd say go ahead. A little hanging mightn't do them any harm. But, uh, for the hanging, you boys are giving a be so permanent. <laughs> the trouble is that when men start taking the law into their own hands, this is apt in the confusion and fun to hang somebody who's not a murderer, somebody who is. Then, first thing you know, they're hanging one another from pure devilment. Till it gets to the place a man can't pass a tree or Look at a rope without feeling uneasy. We seem to lose our heads at such times as this. We things together we'd be mighty ashamed to be by ourselves. For instance, you took Jeremiah Carter yonder. There's not a more decent, God-fearing man in Springfield than Jeremiah Carter. And I wouldn't be surprised if when he goes home, he sits down a certain book and looks into it. Maybe he'll just happen to hit on these words. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. That's all I got to say, friends. Good night. Uh -huh.
solution. Yes, Miss Clay? I ain't one to talk much. But after what you just done for us tonight, saving my boys from them... them now, now, save your thanks. Here, I'll give you a hand with those mules of yours. Oh, you call. You know, I'm just sort of a jack-legged lawyer that much experience with this sort of business. But as long as you want me, I'll be the best I can. Still, maybe you'd feel a lot safer if my partner was here. Or you could get a hold of Steve Douglas. I hear that silver tongue of yours can be mighty useful with a jury. We don't know nothing about lawyers and things like that. Well, I'll do the best I can. You know, my mother, Nancy Hanks, would have been just about your age if she lived. I can add this, she'd been a whole lot like you, too. A whole lot like me, man. Thank you. Thank you, dear Clay. Which one of your boys is Club White? I can't. I can't. But I'm your lawyer. You can trust me. I don't want to scare you, but we've got a fight on our hands. i got to know what I'm doing. I can't tell you, Mr. Lincoln. It'll be like choosing the team. What do you suppose made him both so they done it? Matt said it because he's the oldest. Adam said it because Matt's got a wife and a baby, I reckon. There's a lot of people who'd like to see those boys hang. I know. But I just can't. No, I reckon you can't. Take it easy riding home, Abigail, and watch out for Russ. Good afternoon. <laughs> Swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to help you, God. I do. What's your name? J. Palmer Cash. You knew Stubbright? Sure, Mr. Felder. I knew him. The day he was killed, you'd been with him? All day. Do you recall where and under what circumstances you first saw the defendant? Well, we run into him at the pie contest. Shrub kind of took a fancy to one of his gals. The fellow got sore. They followed us over near the tug of war and wanted to fight. What did Chubb fight do then? He just laughed and asked them what they wanted to fight with. Knives, pistols, or fists. How did he ask that jokingly? Well, he was laughing all the time. Tell the jury what happened then. Well, Chubb and me had a little argument and he went off by himself. Next thing I heard, I knew I heard a shot and shouting and I run back and Found Scrub lying on the ground with those two fellows standing over him. And the knife was on the ground between them? Yes. Now, where was Scrub's pistol? He holstered. So it went off then while he was trying to get out of his holster. Yes, sir. Yes, it did. Thank you. Your witness, Mr. Lincoln. What's the 
J stand for in your name? John. Then why the J Palmer Cat? Why not John P. Cat? Well, is anything the matter with John P.? No, but has J. Palmer Cat anything to conceal? No. And what do you put your name in the middle for? I got a right to call myself anything I please. All right, but if you don't mind, I'll just call you Jack Cat. Object to this ridiculous line of questioning. Mr. Lincoln's clownishness may win him a laugh from his friends, but I assure you his entire game of buffoonery is lost on this jury. It's to the point, Mr. Lincoln. I'll do my best, Your Honor. Now, Jay Palmer Cat, you say you and Scrub White had a little argument. What was this argument about? I'd rather not say. Oh, you'd rather not say. Well, Jay Palmer, suppose I told you I'd rather you did say. All right. You want to know? We were arguing about politics. That's something we'd argue about. What kind of politics? Well, I've learned different now. But I said that I figured that you had more sense about politics than Steve Douglas. He scrubbed, he got mad as a wet hen and said you didn't. <laughs> Order. Yeah, well, looks like I scratched up a snake then. I reckon we can allow all you said to go in. Step down. Your Honor, I'd like to call Abigail Clay back to the stand. Abigail Clay! You love your boys, don't you, Mrs. Clay? You'd like to save their lives if you could. Uh, you were present the night Subfight was killed, weren't you? I now, don't be afraid of me. I'm not a bloodthirsty man. I'm prepared to offer you the life of one of your sons, provided you tell us which of your boys stabbed and killed Scott White. Mrs. Clay, you believe in God, don't you? Do you believe that if you take a solemn oath in the sight of God and on his holy Bible, you are bound to speak the truth? Yes, but I can't. Your Honor, I protest against the prosecution's attempt to force this woman to decide which of her two sons will live and which will die. I have seen Abigail Clay exactly three times in my life, gentlemen, yet I know everything there is to know about her. I know her because I've seen hundreds of women just like her, working in the fields, suffering over some sick and helpless child. Women who say little and do much who ask nothing and give all. And I tell you that such a woman would never answer the question that's been put to her here. Never. I'd rather, Mrs. Clay, see both your sons taken from you than to see you break your heart by saving one at the expense of the other. So don't tell them. Order! Order! May it please the court to spare the jury... Any more of these harrowing outbursts, the state will withdraw the question. No doubt Mr. Lincoln will be glad to hear that Mrs. Clay was not the only eyewitness to the murder of Scullite. Order, order. Recall Mr. J. Palmer Cass to the stand. J. Palmer Cass. Mr. Cass, where were you at the time Scullite was killed? I was about... Well, a uh, hundred yards away, I reckon. You saw the killing with your own eyes? Yes, sir, I saw. Why didn't you tell us this before? 
Nobody asked. Have you told anybody else about this? No. Why not? Well, I didn't want to help get anybody hung. And why do you tell us now? Because it looks to me like both of them going to get hung. How could you see so clearly from a distance of 100 yards at 11 o'clock at night? It was moon bright. I see. Moon bright. And you clearly saw which boy pulled the knife? Yes. The descendants will stand up. Now tell us, Mr. Taft, which descendant stabbed and killed the fight? That one. The big one, Adam Clay. You're out of the state, Ray. This part is assigned until tomorrow morning. Take the business away. Now, you say you were about 
100 yards from the scene of the fight? Just about. Are you familiar with the land over there? Yep. What's the nature of it? Well, it's a little clearing. And trees? A few. Right. Between the clearing and the fairground. And you saw through these trees? No. I was already through the trees when I saw them fighting. Oh, I see. I suppose the clearing was lit up by light from the barbecue fire. No, sir. Then how'd you see so well? I told you it was moon bright. Moon bright. Yes, sir. Uh, if it hadn't been moon bright, you couldn't have seen a hundred yards, could you? No, but you did see it. I told you I did. And then the only reason you're showing this now is that you feel sorry for one of the defendants. I don't want to see them both get hung. Well, I guess you wouldn't lie about a thing like that. Step down. Oh, Mr. Cass, I forgot. There's just one more question I'd like to ask you. You needn't bother to come all the way back to the stand. Cass, what'd you have against Scrub White? Nothing. And what you kill him for? Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yes, you do. Look at this book. It's Gowdy's Almanac. Go on, look at it. Look at page 12, The Night of the Murder. See what it says about the moon? That the moon was only in its first quarter that night and set at 1021, 40 minutes before the killing. So it couldn't have been moon bright, could it? Order, order. You lied, didn't you, Cass? You weren't trying to save these boys' necks, were you? You were trying to save your own, weren't you? Well, come on, weren't you? No, no. Then I... why'd you lie? I didn't lie. You did lie. It's just as plain as a nose on your face. But why? Come on, tell it. What made you tell a lie about that moonlight? I don't know what you're talking about. Then I'll tell you what I'm talking about. You lied because you and Scrub White had a fight. But it wasn't about politics. You never mentioned politics. That was your first lie, wasn't it? It was politics. It was. Well, you were fighting about something else. Maybe it was money. You owed him money, or he owed you. No. no. Maybe you was getting a little graft here and there, and you wanted to be in on it. No, sir. Well, what was it? Come on. It was one of those things, something that made you want to get rid of Scrub. You're crazy. He was my friend. Maybe, but just the same you lied. Now, why? Why did you say you saw what happened when you didn't see it? All right, I'll tell you what happened. You heard a row. You saw a fight starting and you ran over there, and you saw that Scrub was still living. And right there on the ground, you saw the knife that Matt Clay dropped and bent down and picked up the knife. No, no. And no, your body I... hid what you were doing. And then you stabbed him. You stabbed him in the back and killed him. No, I heard these two boys, Matt and Adam, each knew he didn't do it. And therefore, he thought the other did. And their mother, Abigail. She saw the knife in Matt's hand, but she couldn't say so without putting a rope around his neck. But you, you killed him. And you lied, and your lie tripped you up. Your crude, cold-blooded lie that was going to cover up a crime, you committed yourself. The lie you can't deny now, can you? Hanson, you did kill him, didn't you? Didn't you? I tell you, I, I didn't mean... I'd been drinking, and we had a little fight, but I, I didn't mean to. Scrub, 
supper's my friend, I tell you. Not. That's enough. Only... You're a witness, Mr. Felder. practicing law, another young American was practicing medicine with the same hatred for all that was slipshod and untrustworthy. The young man was Dr. Edward R. Squibb, and he fought single-handed to supply the medical world with something difficult to find and urgently needed, drugs of unfailing uniformity, purity, efficacy. From his tiny laboratory, the beginning of the great house of Squibb, came not only the first uniformly safe, pure ether, something even rarer, a new way of working in the production of medicine, a quest for perfection that was to continue unceasingly. It was a hopeful fill for other doctors and surgeons of Dr. Squibb's own time. We look upon your cause as our cause, they wrote, your enterprises as the inauguration of a new era, and yourself as the exponent of the great principles of truth and humanity in a ray against dishonesty fitted. So began that continuing service in the cause of human health, which for generation after generation has made Swift a name you can trust. Mm-hmm. 
Next Wednesday, another great picture. The House of Squibb will present Academy Awards starring Douglas Fairbanks Jr. and Virginia Bruce in The Prisoner of Zenda.